0: And I'm Jose Luis We're English teaching professionals in Santiago that want to share our knowledge and experience with the ELT community. For today's episode, we're going to give a try this in class tip, talk about how you can build community in your classroom, discuss a website to help your teaching, and share a teaching demerit and gold star. This episode's try this in class tip has to do with listening comprehension. Jose Luis, can you explain this one? Absolutely. I've
1: always been looking for ways to help students improve their listening comprehension skills. Students usually tell me that they have problems understanding spoken or real English, especially when they're watching movies, videos, or listening to an interview online. So they usually say that native speakers talk too fast, and that's why I think we should deal with listening-specific goals. Well, I came across this term when I was reading a magazine uh, called English Teaching Forum, specifically when I read an article by Kevin McCaughey. We're not really sure if this is the right pronunciation. The article is called practical tips for increasing listening practice time and i've been using this technique that kevin discusses in his article single sentence gap fill and it works like this so you can just write a simple sentence such as i blank go shopping with you tomorrow and the options are a can b can't so you can play the recording a couple of times for this task specifically you can use a youtube video an Netflix show or a podcast Etc. The objective of this try this in class tip is for students to get used to listening to authentic English and also to understand the role of contractions in reduced speech. I have used this technique in different levels, for example, elementary through advanced levels, and usually find a podcast on NPR.org or BBC Learning English, because those recordings come with a with a transcript. I delete words on purpose depending on my listening specific goal. For example, all the contractions I'd, your, I'll, I won't, etc. Then I played the recording a couple of times and check the work all together. It just takes a few minutes to prepare and students enjoy it and get used to listening to more natural English in context.
0: Have you used anything like that in your classes? If so, write to us and let us know how it worked for you. Our email is podcast at eltinchilway.com. Now we're going to move on to our main topic for today, building classroom community. This is a huge topic and I don't think it's possible to cover every single aspect of it, but we're going to do the best that we can. So when I think of classroom community, I think of two main things, creating a safe, respectful classroom environment and having students really get to know each other. So this first aspect is so important. It should be clear to your students that making fun of anyone because they're different is unacceptable. As a teacher, you can do a few things to get, your, to, get to know your students, and encourage them to get to know each other.
1: I agree with you, Daniel. Creating an environment where students do not feel threatened to speak to you or to speak in front of their classmates is key to achieve learning. Well, first of all, I'm I'm going to focus on the things teachers can do to create a safe and respectful classroom environment. I'm going to mention only a few because it will be impossible to discuss them all here. Okay, so number one, be enthusiastic about your job and passionate about the subject you teach. Try to share your passion with your students and motivate them. What's better than a motivated teacher, Daniel?
0: You're right, yeah. And I think that if you show your enthusiasm, if you show that you're interested in your students, that's really going to carry across to the energy in the classroom.
1: Absolutely. Number two, trying to incorporate humor in your classroom. Well, this will depend on your personality type, of course. Just try to be yourself in the classroom.
0: Definitely, yeah. And there are some people that I think are really, really energetic all of the time. And so if that's their personality, they can carry that energy. Me, I'm a little more laid back, I'm a little more serious, but I do make my jokes about Papa John's pizza. Okay,
1: I know, I've heard them, uh-huh. <laughs> they're really good. Number three, uh, have high expectations for all your students, make your students feel valued and challenge them to reach goals and to do their best in class.
0: I agree with this, yeah. and. So one of the things that I think is really important, especially if you have a large class, you have some students that might not feel as confident. Make sure they're still participating. So if you're doing some type of whole group activity and it's maybe something like thumbs up, thumbs down, Uh you might say, oh, um... You know, oh, Camila, um, thumbs up, thumbs down if she's not giving an answer. Just showing that you expect that participation from them.
1: Absolutely. Right. Absolutely, and then you can also expect them to, you know, reach their goals. I think that's really important to support them. Number four, engage in casual conversation with students in class and outside class. Uh, you can get to know your students and they can get to know you more, especially when you talk about each other's language learning experiences. For example, as a teacher. And also about your hobbies and interests. And this can make your lessons more meaningful and interesting for everybody.
0: Definitely, yeah. And I think that getting to know them as people really helps. I remember one of the first group classes I taught here, there was a student that was preparing to go to the New York Marathon, Uh and everyone in the class was starting from zero. He was super motivated to go to the United States, to go to New York, compete in the marathon, and represent Chile, so I felt like knowing that we as a class were all cheering him on.
1: Uh And number five, smile and laugh often. You have to laugh with your students inside the class, and that's going to create a really nice classroom environment.
0: Definitely, yeah. And so I think if you can make lighthearted jokes, um, I actually have the goal of making my students laugh at least once per class, uh-huh. usually by somehow incorporating Papa John's pizza okay. into the class okay. in one way or another. So before we talk about the things that you can do to build a classroom community, we want you to keep in mind that you'll need to consider your teaching context, right? The size of your class and your students. What we're going to talk about may or may not work for you so feel free to adapt these ideas or choose what is going to work best for you and your students
1: so daniel what are some concrete activities you can use to build community in your classroom
0: well first off you can use a student questionnaire to get to know your students on an individual basis you can ask them about their hobbies families what they think about their level of english the music they listen to what they like watching on tv or netflix their birthdays, so that you can sing in class and embarrass them, and any other ideas that you think are relevant to your teaching context. So this works great for large classes. And when I taught uh, high school in California, I had a class of German of 42 students. So one thing that I did um, whenever I taught large classes was that I told them, I want you to tell me something unique about you so that I can remember you from all the other students in the class. Mm -hmm. What I also did was I allowed students to write anything that they wanted me to know about them. Um, So they might write something that they want me to know that they might not want to say out loud. So um, one student told me that her mother had passed away the previous Mm -hmm. year, you know, and she was a high school sophomore. Another student told me that she suffered from panic attacks from time to time. So that was really important information for me to have. I was able to have a conversation with her and her family about what to do if that were to happen during one of my classes. Okay. So have you done anything like that, Jose?
1: Yes, I've used a student questionnaire too, like you, to get to know my university students, for example. I tell them to include anything that they feel it's important. For example, if they work, how much uh, they have to commute every day, also if they if they have responsibilities at home, for example taking care of a sibling, taking care of a parent, etc. Uh, besides personal information and interest, I usually ask them about the expectation they have about this class. For example, what they expect to learn, this, the skills they need help to develop and etc.
0: There you go, yeah. So um Another thing that I do is in the first class, I will have students making plates. Okay. So I used this strategy when I taught a Corfo class of 16 students and it worked out really well. Basically, I took cardstock and cut it up so that I had a long piece that I could fold in half okay. and stand on a table or a desk. So I showed mine as an example and I had my name and three things on it that I like. And in my case, I drew a plane to represent traveling I drew some video games and pizza to represent my obsession with <laughs> Papa John's <Dad's laughs> pizza, right? So then every student did the same, and then they presented them to each other student individually, right? And it really helped them to get to know each other and find things that they have in common. I also required them to bring their nameplates to the first three or four classes until I felt confident that I knew their names and so that they could also remember each other's names.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that knowing students' names, especially in our context, where we see lots and lots of people every day, is so important. And we all know that it's really hard to remember everybody's name. Even for us, lots of students do not remember my name and they still call me teacher. So to deal with this, I have a set of name tags, you know, a really simple sticker that says, hello, my name is. And the students can write their names on the sticker and they have to wear it or put it on their textbook or notebook, at least for the first few lessons. I also wear a name tag and the difference this makes in the classroom is great because everybody's using each other's names, you know? Um, And students cannot avoid participating in class, especially now that I know all of their names.
0: That's a really, really good point. Um, And that's a really nice alternative with the name tags and also you wearing one. Yeah. So another thing that I've done in the past is to make sure that the students know each other's names. Uh So before I introduce the name plates, that I just spoke about, I told the class that I expected them to know and use each other's names in class. And I went on to tell them that I was going to be giving them a test on each other's names in the fourth class. And if they got an overall score of 80% or higher, I would bake chocolate chip cookies for them. So. This gave them the incentive to get to know each other, and it really set a tone of using each other's names and building that community.
1: Oh, that sounds like a really great incentive to using class. So, Daniel, how did that work out for you?
0: It actually worked out really well. So, overall, they got a score of 84%. They really like the chocolate chip cookies, okay. and I would say the majority of us are still in contact with each other about <laughs> seven years later. Great so there are also some other activities that are really good they're really well known so you probably already know these but they're worth mentioning the first one is called find someone who okay you basically prepare a list of statements saying things like find someone who is vegetarian find someone who has the same number of siblings as you find someone who doesn't have an iphone etc you can help the students then formulate the questions And the job is to complete the sheet by getting the signatures of other students in the class. The goal is to get at least one signature from every other student. Uh Uh-huh. So this worked out really well because while they were doing this activity, I was able to listen to everyone as they walked around and I encouraged them to speak in English. Very good. In addition, I was able to listen to any mistakes that they made with grammar or pronunciation and I could bring it up to them afterwards as a whole group. Uh Uh-huh. I think one of the most memorable things that came out of this for me was that I put the statement on there, find someone who has never gone to La Piojera. And in that class, there was only one student who hadn't <laughs> gone to La Piojera. So after a Saturday class later that semester, they actually went out to La Piojera together.
1: Well, that's really good, you know, to find out somebody who hasn't done anything or hasn't done that activity. And then you actually ended up doing that, say all the students ended up doing that together. That's really cool.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And that activity, find someone who I really enjoy that because students get to use language in a fun and meaningful way and they get to know their classmates and teachers in a really nice way, especially things that they do not know about each other. And everybody can have, you know, great skills and hobbies and that for teaching is great because, you know, people can collaborate with each other in class and also outside their classroom. So this activity is really great, like you said, for building classroom community.
0: Yeah, I think it really sets things up nice at the beginning of the semester, at Uh the beginning of the course. Yeah. So another thing that we have, which you can use pretty much for any grammar point, pretty much at any point, is called stand up if. Okay. Basically, you prepare a series of statements, and if the statement is true, your students stand up. Okay. If it's not true, they stay seated. So you can use this with things like vocabulary, such as food and drink. Stand up if you like red wine, okay. for example. You can use it with a past simple. Stand up if you went to the cinema on the weekend. You could also use this with a present perfect. Stand up if you have ever sung karaoke at a bar. So it's important to prepare these statements in advance and be mindful of the vocabulary and structure so that, you, that your students already know. Mm-hmm. Right, But if you do that, you, this can be a great way to get your students out of their seats for a short while They can work on some listening comprehension, and it allows them to get to know each other. So another variation of this is you could have everyone stand in a circle, and then they step forward if something is true for them.
1: Okay, yeah. Dan, that sounds like a really great activity. I really like it when students get to move and do something, you know, especially if the class starts at 8 a.m. and we all need that energy boost, you know, to start our, our lesson.
0: Definitely. Yeah. I think early morning classes, it's just so easy for students (laughs) to start to nod off, you know, so we want to try to avoid that if we can. Absolutely. And so this last idea is something that I've done a bit, but not as much as other teachers. So for group activities, you can organize your students into teams based on countries or cities of the language you're learning. So if you have a class of 20 students, you could have five teams of four with the teams being the United States, Canada, Australia, England, and Ireland. The teams can be permanent throughout the entire course, and you can have an entire unit in which the students learn the national anthem of the country, its main cities, and and any other important aspects of the culture. When I taught a Corfo course in 2012, there was a teacher that did that exact thing, and she had an elaborate plan with group work and the countries.
1: Okay, Daniel, so these activities are great for group classes but how can you build a relationship with students that you teach individually or as a couple?
0: Well, I think that there are a few key, key things that we can do to help build that relationship. Just how I use the student survey or a student questionnaire in group classes. You can do the same thing with individual and couple classes. Just getting to know their interests, you can incorporate their ideas into classes, and you can look for websites or reading materials that they might enjoy reading in English. I had some students that like funny movies. So I recommended American movies that they could watch on Netflix. I also have DVDs that I lend to my students from various genres.
1: I really like that idea. I usually do the same with music. Most, if not all, Chilean students listen to music, you know, in English. And remember that you don't have to use the entire song. And that also allows me to incorporate music and lyrics into my lesson.
0: Yeah, and that's a really interesting point that you don't need to use the entire song. I remember hearing uh, Paul Seligson present probably about two or three years ago, and uh-huh. he made the point where you can just take one or two lines of a song like and it. use that uh, to look at a grammar point and to explore some type In of vocabulary. Like maybe
1: 10 seconds of the song, that would
0: be enough. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, another thing that you can do is ask them about their family, especially their children. So, I don't have kids, (laughs) but every parent that I know loves talking about their kids. And some of their children are at the age that they're learning English in school. So, it's interesting to hear what they're learning, how they're learning, and things like that. Plus, you're getting those students to talk in class.
1: Absolutely. And talking about friends and family is a great starting point to get students using English in class. I usually ask them if they are if they would like to show or bring photos of their families and friends to class because, you know, all, they are carrying their phones. Maybe they have pictures of their families, you know, with them. So that's also a good idea to use.
0: Definitely, yeah. I think one thing that we do need to be cognizant of is that not everyone necessarily has a good relationship with their family and it's things true. like that. I remember when I taught... Uh, Spanish in the States. I Mm -hmm. had a unit about the family. And before that, we had learned physical appearances and personality. Mm -hmm. So I gave a project um, of a family tree. And so a lot of students chose to do that. But what I did was I provided an alternative. So the alternative was to choose four friends or four people Um, That were important in the students lives and they could do the same thing as a PowerPoint presentation describing their personality and their physical appearance. And then I gave them a written test uh, with a family tree. So I knew that they had the vocabulary. And I actually had a student whose mother died in a freak accident the year before. So she wasn't in a state of mind to really make a family tree So she took that alternative. Absolutely. So I think that's one thing that, when possible, we do want to try to be sensitive absolutely. to the life circumstances our students might be experiencing. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Of course, yeah, offering an alternative. That was a really good way to deal with that situation, Daniel.
0: Thank you. So moving on now, if you're teaching a couple, it can be fun to ask them questions about each other, yeah. right? It's also a great way to practice the third person singular. So imagine you have a couple that lives together. So I could ask Daniela. So Daniela, does Vicente wash the dishes? And I can ask Vicente. So Vicente, so it's, does Daniela spend a lot of time on Facebook? And if you do this in a lighthearted way, it can be a fun activity. Can make your students smile, you know. Um, last but not least. You can also incorporate their names into example sentences for handouts and exercises. So one thing that we love as humans is hearing and reading our own name. So if you include that in a lesson, it's something really small, but it shows that you care about your students as people. Uh So I have a summary page that I use with the present perfect. And so I'll provide about seven or eight example sentences. So what I'll do is I will change the sentences to have the names of the students. Or I will change the sentences to include something about the student's hobbies or something like that, some place they travel to. Uh So then that way they're getting something that's a little bit personalized.
1: Absolutely. And like taking the time to build classroom community and to develop relationship with your students has a lot of positive outcomes. For example, students want to come to class. They're more eager to learn and it makes for such an enjoyable learning environment. One thing I enjoy about teaching adults is that your students can eventually become your friends once classes have ended, you know because you really get to know them as people. And maybe that's one of the things that you really love about teaching here in Chile, Daniel, right?
0: Yeah, you know, and that is one thing. um, And I believe we spoke about this in the previous podcast about teaching private classes. When you're teaching adults, you know, um, you can have that friendship. And usually, you know, you're still in contact with your students after you complete the courses. Absolutely, absolutely. It's something really nice when it works out that way. So feel free to try out these ideas in your classes and let us know how they work for you. Now we're going to talk about a website that you can use in your teaching. So the website that we're talking about today is newsela.com. What the website does is it takes news stories and simplifies the language so that young native English speakers can use it and also so that students that are learning English can understand. So there's a really wide variety of topics available. I've used this with one of my students for the past six months or so And it's great because she really enjoys reading. So we've read about Greta Thunberg, Electric Scooters, The Fall of Fast Fashion, Why We Have Daylight Savings Time, Why Songs Get Stuck in Our Head, The First Female Spacewalk, and more. So in addition to that, they have the option to adjust the difficulty of the language used for each article. And I think it's a great resource because it lets you and your students work with authentic texts, that are about current events at a level that's appropriate for them.
1: Yeah.
0: So I'm pretty traditional in the sense in that I'll prepare some pre-reading questions to gauge what the students already know. We'll preview the vocabulary that they probably don't know. They'll read it for homework and then we discuss it the following class. And this can work out really nicely if you need a break from the coursework or grammar or to supplement what you're doing or if you don't have any teaching resources as a foundation this could be great for a conversation class
1: okay yeah i haven't used it in class but i'll check it out to see if i can use and incorporate it into my lessons because most people have the idea of reading you know like reading a novel you know and students usually complain that they don't have enough time to read outside class so maybe the, the length of the articles that you can use can also help you right
0: Definitely, yeah. And I mean, I think if you're, if you don't have a very good level of Spanish, are you going to be reading a novel in Spanish? No, 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 you would probably start out reading news articles or reading, you know, very short um, pieces of writing. Uh So the best thing about this is it's free. If it sounds like something that you could use in your class, the website is newsela.com. Try it out and let us know how it works for you. Now it's time to move on to a teaching to merit and teaching gold star. Jose Luis, it's your turn for a teaching to merit.
1: Okay, I'm going to talk about an experience probably most of us English teachers in Chile have experienced. It has to do with one of my first teaching jobs many years ago. I got this job as an English teacher in a language institute in the center of Santiago, and I felt this was a good chance to use and apply all the things that I had you know, learned in college, you know, things like teaching methodologies, classroom management, fun and meaningful activities to help students learn English, etc. Daniel, do you know the phrase really hits you hard? Uh-huh. I learned it there. The textbook and activities were all grammar-based, boring, repetitive, and did not allow for students' creativity. My boss there wasn't the easiest person to work with, and she wasn't quite honest either. There were a lot of red flags that I didn't pay attention to, probably because I was young and it was one of my first teaching jobs. This job reminds me of places that tell the promise of becoming bilingual in a very short amount of time. I learned that I should have left there way before I did, And leaving a job that doesn't make you happy is reasonable and acceptable, especially if it doesn't align with your values as a person and as a teacher.
0: So that job didn't spark joy and you did it. No, it did not spark joy. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, I can certainly relate to that. I have had some teaching jobs also that didn't spark joy in me, and leaving them was probably the best decision I could have made at those times.
1: Absolutely. So Daniel, it's your turn to talk about a Teaching Gold Star.
0: All right. So for this episode's Teaching Gold Star, I had a really difficult time deciding. There have been so many people that have helped me over the years, and I've also had so many amazing students. After thinking about it, my first Teaching Gold Star has to go to the California World Language Project. So it's an organization that planned professional development for world language teachers in California. And it did an amazing job of showing how you can teach a foreign language completely in that language without having to rely on the student's native language. Uh-huh. So I went to a small college in Los Angeles and the education department had courses for elementary and secondary teaching methods, but they didn't have courses specifically for teaching languages, for teaching biology, for teaching math, etc. Mm-hmm. So the college actually recognized this and so any students that were studying to be language teachers were allowed to attend these professional development workshops offered by the California World Language Project for free. As a result, I was able to attend 80 hours of professional development about being a language teacher before I even began my student teaching. So this really set me up to hit the ground running as a Spanish and German teacher in California before moving to Chile. And a lot of what I learned there, I've been able to transfer to teaching English here. In addition to that, all the people that organized the workshops were so warm and welcoming to having me there, even though I wasn't yet teaching. And I'm actually still in contact with a bunch of them through Facebook. This has also given me the confidence to present at regional and national conventions in both the United States and Chile. In summary, I just feel like the California World Language Project has been so instrumental in my current success as a language teacher, and so i like to give everyone that's involved with it a big gold teaching star.
1: Oh, that's a really, that was a really good story. And also your teaching gold star uh, reminded me of a very good point. If you can attend quality professional development workshops and connect with other teachers, that can be invaluable to your future teaching practice,
0: right? I agree, yeah. All right, so that's the end of our second podcast about building classroom community. We would like to thank Carlos Sepulveda, Jason Hernandez, and Nicolas Roman for their help producing the podcast. Feel free to write us at podcast at ELTinChile.com with any comments or questions. I'm Daniel Guim. I'm José Luis Poblete. Thanks for listening and keep Keep on on teaching. teaching.